episode 156 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am doing very, very, very well on this kind of cold but beautiful day in Washington State. Yeah, it's not so cold here in L.A. It's okay today. It's mild, although it's supposed to start raining later on this week. Not today, though, so we still got sunny slash partly cloudy skies. It was overcast earlier, but this is not a weather podcast. This is a Marvel Studios news podcast. And we were going to continue our Expanding the Universe series with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. In fact, I was doing a live, well, it ended up becoming a live Q&A session on the at Marvel Studios News Instagram on Friday night. And someone asked me when we were going to cover Shang-Chi. And I said, it's actually our next episode. It's next up in the rotation. Unless, of course, there's a big Marvel Studios story that has to take precedent like a Black Widow trailer because we're about due for a Black Widow trailer. And the reason I said that is because usually around now, as we get toward the middle of March, that's often when Marvel Studios will drop the final trailer for a movie that they're putting out last weekend in April, in the case of Infinity War and Endgame, or first weekend in May, as is the case for Black Widow and many other Marvel movies over the years. So I figured that we were probably going to get a Black Widow trailer this week. And I was actually kind of hoping that if we were going to get a trailer this week, that it would be Monday, because I knew we were recording on Monday. And uh, not that I didn't want to talk about Shang-Chi. I'm super excited to do that show. But I didn't want to put out a new episode of the podcast and then have a brand new trailer drop. And then we've got to hurry up and do another episode of the podcast. So I was hoping it was going to be today. So I started my process of now that the trailer, or I felt like it was imminent, uh, I was going to wake up a little extra early because Disney loves those, unless they're premiering on a Jimmy Kimmel, they love those early trailer drops. And so I was getting up a little earlier than I normally just wake up on my own anyway. And so I was there ready this morning, uh, just making my coffee. And then sure enough, the trailer popped up just a little bit before 6 a.m. Pacific time. And I was happy to have it. And it is an awesome trailer. And uh, we're not going to talk about it right this. We are going to talk about it on this show. We're not going to get into the details of the trailer just yet, because I want you all to know and understand just how much Paul Herman is here for you. (laughs) because. I don't believe in peer pressure here on the Marvel Studios News Podcast. So I asked Paul first, are you planning to watch <laughs> you the did, trailer? Because yeah. I know that Paul doesn't usually watch these trailers. I didn't want to even give him a reaction to the trailer or anything. Just, hey, are you going to watch it? And uh, he said he wasn't planning to. And I said, well, we are going to talk about it on the podcast. But no pressure. If you don't want to watch it, I'll find someone to fill in. You don't have to watch the trailer because I know, Paul, that you try to lean toward not watching these final trailers for movies once they are so close to being in theaters. But you did make the decision for the benefit of our listeners to go ahead and and see a little more Black Widow footage than maybe you would have hoped to uh, so you could be here on this podcast. Yeah, or some people might be bummed that I am on the podcast. So, uh, or uh, It depends on what you say about the trailer. Yeah, well, that's true, too. That's true, too. No, I... I, I try to be fair for people and, and I think with for me Black Widow is not again, I'm not the biggest Black Widow fan from the comic books. Uh I, I'm definitely more of a fan of her character from the films comparatively to the comic books, but I I don't know a ton about this movie and I'm trying to you know, I've been trying to go in these these uh genre films as clean as possible. But with Black Widow, I I just kind of felt when you said, you know, we can find somebody else. I'm like, you know, it just, that's, you know, that's my, that's my co-host thing, you know? I mean, I, but at the same time, <laughs> I, but at the same time, I thought, you know, what the heck? 
I haven't done, I haven't watched a, a third trailer in a while, and eh, I, I was, I, we were already planning on recording today anyway, so I had kind of cleared my schedule, so I figured, you know what, what the heck, I'll do it. So, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of routine. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm interested to talk about this trailer. I, I legitimately, there, there is, yeah, there's stuff to talk about. There's a lot to talk about in yeah. this trailer. I mean, it even has me rethinking some of the timelines and theories that I was putting together the last time we talked about a Black Widow trailer, the first teaser trailer back in December, although I think we also talked about some of the special look and other things. But I mean, I watch every anything that's officially released by the studio, I'm fine with. I don't really limit myself on trailers or TV spots. It makes it really difficult to do a, to host and produce a Marvel Studios news podcast if I'm not up to date on the officially released material at the very least. So I was definitely going to watch the trailer, and I've been excited about Black Widow from the jump. I've never really subscribed to the idea that because this movie didn't happen in the first three phases of the MCU, that it's too late or that it's not exciting enough. I'm very excited about this movie, and I've been very impressed by everything that we have seen from this movie so far and that I have seen going back to the first footage that was shown anywhere at Comic-Con last July or another round of footage at D23 Expo back in, uh, back in August of last year. And then the teaser trailer in December, the special look in January, the Super Bowl spot in February. I've just continued to be more and more impressed by what I have seen from director Kate Shortland and this entire cast. And that was true today. I mean, I love this trailer. It's probably my favorite bit of footage that we've seen of Black Widow so far, other than maybe the entire Natasha or what seemed to be the entire Natasha Romanoff and Yelena Belova fight uh, that they showed at Comic-Con in uh, Comic-Con in July of last year, just because that was so great to watch an entire scene or what seemed, what looked like an entire scene from the film. And it was pretty great. So we will go through and we will start breaking down this trailer. But before we do, just want to let you all know about our next watch party on Marvel Studios News on our Patreon exclusive Discord community. That's going to be happening this coming Sunday, March 15th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So that's 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be watching Avengers Age of Ultron. So again, Sunday, March 15th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. We're getting ready for Black Widow with these watch parties. If you haven't noticed the trend, we're going through every single movie in which uh, we did another one for Black Panther to celebrate the release of that film on Disney Plus last week. Uh, but outside of that, we've been following Natasha's journey from Iron Man 2 all the way up until we're going to be going all the way through Civil War because that's where we leave off to get to Natasha's story in this Black Widow film. But we also have a new series of podcasts that's exclusive to the Patreon. And I wanted to give a shout out to and a big thank you to one of our patrons, Tom DeMichael, who plays a big part in those watch parties that we do, as well as the office hour sessions that I, hope on our, uh, that I host on our Patreon-exclusive Discord. I started a new series on the Patreon this year called Marvelous Moments, and they're basically scene breakdowns where I look at some of my what I consider to be the best or just my favorite Marvel scenes for whatever reason. But there's also an opportunity on our Patreon for some of the patrons to actually join me for those shows and choose a scene. And so for the first time that happened for March 2020, and that episode is now available on our Patreon, and Tom chose the whatever it takes speech from Cap in Avengers Endgame. And I had a lot of fun breaking that down with Tom, and he shared a lot of really interesting insights. So if you love Endgame, if you love that scene, you should check out that episode on our Patreon. Uh, and we have all kinds of exclusive podcasts, as well as that exclusive Discord community 
Uh, that's all available at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And speaking of that, in addition to Tom DeMichael, I want to thank Sharky, Jared McGee, Quincy Miller, Bob Ruth, Joseph Bowen, and Samuel Pelikin or Pelequin. They are some of the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And if you do sign up and you're getting exclusive audio, you get your own private RSS link that you could put in a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. So you get everything in one place. You get the main show, like the one you're hearing now. You get Patreon credit scenes where we discuss additional topics. Like for this week, we're going to be talking about Vin Diesel saying that the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to factor into Thor Love and Thunder. And you get that Marvelous Moment series. You get everything in one place. You don't have to track it down in multiple feeds. So for more information on all of the different tiers and exclusives that we have available, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Now, Paul, let's talk about this trailer. So it starts off with something that I don't think we've actually seen before. And I think this is Natasha Romanoff phase one coming off of Civil War, which she seems to be in hiding. She's in this remote location. Looks like she's just living in a trailer out in the middle of nowhere. But that looks like it's her kind of walking through that trailer with a gun. But this kind of gives us Hmm. at least a, a look at what is perhaps the jumping off point for this story where. Natasha, after she was told by Tony that they're going to be coming for her after she betrayed Team Iron Man and therefore the Sokovia Corps in Captain America Civil War, that she's been on the run. And now it looks like we're seeing where she's been hiding. Maybe there was a quick glimpse of this in some of the other footage that we've seen so far. But this seemed to be the, the most focus that I, I've seen on, on, on just where Natasha is before we even really get into the plot. Inevitably, somebody's going to show up and that's going to force her to get into what the actual story of this film is. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just interesting to see Natasha of, of most likely where she went right after Civil War. Yeah, and, and we can only assume that it's one of the Red Room people going to try to kill her because that that might be what, you know, they find her. She's in seclusion. She's thinking, how did they find me? And this thus she realizes, wait, this I recognize the symbol on this uniform and or whatever, or the training of this reminds me of back in the day. So I have to go back and, and that starts the going back to see the other Black Widow, as you as I like to call her uh, for again, the new Avengers Black Widow that I that she was uh, used in the uh, Bendis run that I always forget her. The actress's name is uh, uh, Pew. Is that her? Is that her last name? Pew? Florence Pew. Yeah, Florence Pew. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what I kind of like garnered at. So but it's funny, I didn't even think about that was that's the beginning of the movie i just kind of you just kind of just i just kind of was oh yeah okay in the trailer maybe it's not maybe this is where she Mm -hmm. ends up after the events of the movie i don't know but i would think that after the events of the movie she would sync back up with team cap and that secret avengers squad so i think i'm pretty sure this is the beginning of the movie but as we're seeing some of this footage we hear this voiceover from yelena as played by florence Pugh, saying how she tells people her sister moved out west you're a science teacher, your husband mm-hmm. renovates houses, you're thinking about moving, but you're going to wait until interest rates go down. And it's really just these two having a beer and Natasha laughing it off and saying, that's not my story. Uh, but then we get into more. I do like seeing that just that friendly dynamic between these yeah. two characters. I don't know if that's going to hold up throughout the entire film. More on that as we go on. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting to just kind of see uh, just I, I do like the friendly nature of that uh, relationship, at least what we're seeing there. Uh, but then we get back to Natasha saying, before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes and a lot of enemies. And what's interesting when she says, I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of enemies, 
as that voiceover is playing, we're seeing the uh, a sequence that we've seen pieces of before, which is Taskmaster having laid some sort of explosive trap and attacking Natasha. And I mean, it, it could just be marketing and it's just for dramatic effect. And often these kinds of things are. But if it's not an accident or just marketing that, as Natasha is saying, I made a lot of enemies, maybe there's a history with Taskmaster that she's not aware of. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that her character in that moment, like it definitely felt like there's a sense of history with this character that maybe Natasha doesn't fully understand. But throughout the events of this film, she might come to learn. This is and I'm going to say this right now. And I actually do mean this, Sean. And you know me, I'm not I'm not a liar. I'm not a faker. I'm not I'm very authentic to a fault in a sense to where everyone doesn't like the fact that I'm a little too uh, real, I think, sometimes with my opinions, at least for my opinions. I. I'm very glad I actually watched this trailer because it definitely gave me way more Taskmaster. And I, and it also, it confirms to me that Taskmaster is, is the, not just like the henchman, it's the big bad. And that made me really excited of what they could do with this character. And I, yeah, and, and that's exactly what I took from it too. Because you know, as they're they're showing us this, and they say, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes, and then you have the, the whole Taskmaster thing. I kind of just immediately thought, holy crap, is this maybe what Hawkeye? Is this a Jeremy Renner? Like, right, right? Could this be some Budapest or something like that? Or some could it be some prelude to that? Of this is her starting her world, her original world starting to unravel and, and taskmaster or taskmaster is part of it. Or maybe it was one of the last missions before Budapest that she didn't complete. And that's coming back to haunt her. Something like that could be coming. And I really like this. I think, and again, one of the reasons why I don't like watching trailers, I like to be as no, as least amount as possible, but I will say it was nice to see it confirmed to me like, Oh, taskmaster is actually the big bad. And there's a deeper connection here than maybe we realize. And maybe you're right. I think there is definitely, well, I will, I'll say this, Sean, I, I think that there's the marketing is more about I would say back in the day, like I'd say eight years ago, maybe it seems like it'd be more about misleading things. Whereas now I don't think it's, I think it's a little more, they really want to sell you of what this is about even more so than usual. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You're more, that's more your game than mine, but it seems from my layman's eye, as far as, as for me, uh, as these trailers, they seem to be a little more on the nose for the most part. And I feel like, at least for me, and yeah, and I feel that they're definitely they being Marvel are telling the audience, yeah, this this character is not just this this you know flashy bad guy, but actually it's going to run a little bit deeper. And that was really interesting because I was not anticipating that. And again, I, there's a lot to talk about Taskmaster and and what this character is and and who they are and, and whatever. But the fact that they're hinting that there's a connection. I think solidifies a lot of my previous theories or even you and I's both. I mean, you and I's right. You, you, you and ours, uh, whatever. And, Yours uh, and mine. yeah, I, I can't speak English. Don't, don't, don't talk. Don't tell my wife though. She's an English, she English major. She'll get mad at me. Um, but <laughs> re- regardless, yeah, I think this definitely, it confirms something, but I've also got some, some wants from this too, potentially, but I'll get to that towards the end of the trailer. But yeah, this, this really definitely gave me, I think and a really gave me a really good inclination of what it's about and what I wasn't expecting. And that, that was a really cool thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly been consistent. I mean, I don't think they're revealing significantly more than a lot of other Marvel movies, unless you're comparing it to like Infinity War or Endgame, where they were trying to hide like literally everything. I mean, Endgame, the title all the way up until the first teaser trailer. So they're not being as secretive as I think they've been with other things. But I think they've mostly been consistent in that they're showing that this is Natasha dealing with her past. And it's just a little more information building on what we've already kind of seen in the other footage. We, we know that there's a, the Red Room is still going in some way, shape, or form. We know that you know Yelena has a connection to it because she's actually part of a training sequence where we see some of these women in the Red Room. So we know a lot, we've already had a decent amount of information on this stuff to kind of try to, to pick up on it. But even though this movie is primarily set during or in between Civil War and Infinity War, I mean, I still think that some of Natasha's past, you know, pre-Civil War is going to factor into it and all the way going into maybe some pre-Iron Man 2 stuff. I mean, there was that de-aged looking Thunderbolt Ross in the very first teaser trailer, but then we see Ross looking older and sporting a cane at some point in this teaser trailer. We'll get to Ross in uh, in a little bit here. But yeah, I think there might be some history with Taskmaster in a way that, again, Natasha doesn't realize. I I don't think she fully can know it because Yelena is telling her, like, his call sign is Taskmaster. And I think that's an interesting thing uh, as well, as far as Yelena using his and he pronouns for Taskmaster, because there's been a lot of speculation out there, not just from us, but across the internet of people who talk about these things, that maybe Taskmaster is female. And we've been talking about that as Melina being a potential suspect, Yelena being a potential suspect. Melina, we can almost rule out, except for the idea that there's more than one Taskmaster, which I know is something else that we've talked about and speculated on a little bit. But uh, there's a shot in the trailer where multiple shots from that free fall sequence. And that's another one of my theories that got shot to hell by this trailer, by the way. I was thinking that because of the SUVs driving up, that that was the the beginning of the the Ross sequence in the first teaser trailer and Ross looking so young in that teaser trailer I thought well this freefall mission must be something from before Iron Man 2 and it's a flashback well it doesn't appear that's the case because we have Taskmaster in hot pursuit of Natasha Romanoff of Black Widow in this freefall sequence and we also see other characters present in the sequence you can see Melina flying like what looks like a helicopter or some ship and it's, there's a shot where Red Guardian Alexi is in the back of it throwing a shield to knock a guy out the windshield of that helicopter, and Melina's still there. So that wasn't Taskmaster, it was another soldier, but if this is all happening in part of the same sequence, then it's kind of hard for Melina to, be, uh, to play both of those roles. And I was thinking, well, maybe Yelena is Taskmaster, but it looks like, I mean, it's, it's not really clear because we only see the back of a head, but what appears to be the end of this freefall sequence is Alexi, Natasha... And Melina and Alexi saying, we are family, we stick together or something to that effect. And then and then we see Natasha there with them. And it looks like Yelena is still there, though. And, and there's another shot of Natasha and Yelena together in the trailer where they kind of put their heads together. And that looks like it's at the end of the free fall sequence. And so if they're all on the same side and all still friendly after that, that leads me to believe that none of them are Taskmaster. So at first, when I saw this, this trailer this morning, I thought, oh, maybe Yelena is Taskmaster because maybe that's why she's saying he and his to throw Natasha off the scent a little bit. And I still don't know because we've, again, there is the possibility that there are multiple people who wear the Taskmaster costume. That could totally be part of it. And maybe Yelena and Melina are still involved some way, but the visual Mm -hmm. cues in the trailer are definitely trying to suggest 
that they aren't. And we still have this character named Mason, supposedly, who's being played by O.T. Fagbenle, who tweeted in his one of his trailer tweets this morning, he had hashtag Mason, hashtag TM, as in Taskmaster. Now, he hashtagged other characters, including Black Widow as well. But maybe this character, O.T. Fagbenle's Mason, is, uh, is Taskmaster, and that's all there is to it. I'm really not sure. But when Yelena knows so much about Taskmaster, I still... I still feel like maybe they're involved. Maybe Natasha's family, this family that Natasha has, whether it's Yelena, Melina, Alexi, two of them or all three of them, I still feel like there there might end up being some connection mm-hmm. where there's going to be some betrayal from this family. Yeah. Because either that or it's it's Rogue One and they're all dead. There's no attempt by Natasha that we see to reach out to this crew, anybody from this crew in Infinity War or Endgame, and we certainly don't hear about her keeping up with them in the five years that had gone by. I mean, you would think after everything that happened in Infinity War and half of everybody on Earth, plus elsewhere, but from Natasha's mind, at the forefront of Natasha's mind, half of everybody on Earth dying, uh, you would think that she would want to check in with that family unless there was a reason not to. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, does, it just doesn't seem like that family was at all on her mind at any point. And I feel like maybe the reason for that is all the, the family friendliness that we're seeing in a lot of this is not going to hold up. Yeah. Taskmaster. I got to say, um, first of all, I am 100% down with the costume now, and it just took a little bit of time for me to get used to everything. There's a great close-up of the face. Oh, at it's one great, point yeah. That you can really see the mask more clearly mm. than ever before. It's a, it's a good translation. And I, I think, again, as I've always said, I've got to get used to the I mean, costume. It's got more It's got more skull marking. So how did that work for you? Because I know that was one of your points of contention mm-hmm. was the skull. So now that you see the tactical version with more of the actual skull kind of design and paint on it, is that better for you now? Yeah. And obviously, CGI has, has modified a number of the things. We've got the hood now. It's more prominent. And it just it's a good translation, again, from page to screen. Now, talking about page to screen, one of the things I think that's interesting, Sean, is that we we don't we're, we're wondering about the the you know the identity of Taskmaster. And I I was you know I was big on the idea of potentially being played by two different people because it just didn't it didn't make sense to me that we have you know, the person I thought it being, and then them, you know, fighting at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you could easily just have it, you know, multiple people now. Right. Now, with that being said, I think that there is, I, I here's, here's my prediction. I, I think Taskmaster is either going to be a mantle that is passed on by multiple people, or it's literally just two people working together. Like we have the, the one actor you're talking about, and he, he put mm-hmm. TM Taskmaster. What I think is interesting, I, I, and I, I'd be down with that. What I also think is interesting, though, is what if we didn't know the identity of Taskmaster at the end of this movie? What if it's a mysterious person that is just, it's, it's again, it's a through line through multiple films because we know with the connection of Thunderbolt Ross. We don't know what exactly, or not what exactly, but how how this could lead up to potential things like thunderbolts, because we all know that's probably coming in some in some form of fashion. And the right. fact that he's so prominent in these trailers, and that he's all these rumors running rampant of him coming in as Red Hulk in the She Hulk series, which I still don't really believe, but I definitely think he'll be in the series. Don't get me wrong; I don't know if he'll be actually 
Eight. We will get to that because this this trailer gave me some additional thoughts on that. Finish up my Taskmaster thing. I think it's either going to be literally two people sharing that mantle of some kind or what I kind of want it to be. I thought it'd be interesting is we don't know who it is. It's a it's a complete mystery. Like they right. leave, like almost like a Cobra commander kind of thing. Like it's we don't know what it is. And it's the identity is just this mysterious thing. And, and it's just kind of they leave it at that. And. There is something cool about that. I don't think I don't lean towards that theory necessarily, but I think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if the fact that, like you said, that they're referencing them as a he or or whatever, or they, and they don't right. know what it is. And so I think there's a definite possibility there, and I think that'd be interesting, especially if it would say Ross does capture ta- they do capture Taskmaster, but they never unmask them. And then let's say Ross is own and he takes Taskmaster and, and never you know. He the secret's safe with him, and he's like, I'm not going to reveal who this person is, and they don't, and he re- refers to them as they. So it became it becomes this you know very ambiguous you know thing. There's right. really a lot of intrigue there because the one thing I'm going to say right now, the reason why I I kind of that's a possibility, and that they there they could always leave it as it could be a he or a she, is because Taskmaster and Deadpool in the comics are very very similar. As far as being mercenaries, being sarcastic and funny and all this stuff. And that's, you can't, you can't sell that as the same character in in this movie. So the fact that we've only seen this character as, as not talking and, and maybe they have, they talk and that blows my theory out of the water, but we don't have that. Assuming that this character never talks to keep their identity secret. That's a possibility, and to keep it different from Deadpool, from you know, as bringing Deadpool eventually in the MCU, which they're eventually going to do, mm-hmm. you can make this character very ambiguous, and because of that, there's a lot of intrigue there, and so almost make the exact opposite of Deadpool and the of that character, which I could kind of respect and understand considering the circumstances. So, I think there's a there's I'm not I'm not saying it's it's a it's a big possibility. I think it's it's a possibility, but I'm I'm really Everything they're showing me with Taskmaster, I'm into. I'm, I, I'd obviously prefer have the the wise cracking and sarcastic and and having them more of a having that interaction. If I if I was was a if it had a my way, but considering sure. the Deadpool connection, I 100% understand and I'm 100% behind the design of the character now. Yeah, I mean, as far as the having the character not saying a whole lot whether that's to conceal an identity although you don't have to do that i mean you can if you've got all this other cool stuff in the suit you can build in a voice modulator to disguise a voice so it doesn't necessarily have to be about identity which is why i like the point that you have about you know maybe this version of the character is just gonna be a little bit different i mean i could see the character being a little more no nonsense a little more straightforward maybe a little quiet not really feeling the need to speak and just letting their actions speak for themselves because it's not just the Deadpool comparison to me. I mean, we've got more than enough wisecracking characters throughout the MCU. I mean, not all in the same way, of course, but if this character is just very straightforward and, you know, just, I mean, in some ways that can make the character a little extra menacing because there's no negotiating with this character. Like, this character is just coming for you to accomplish whatever mission because, yeah, you're, exactly. because you're in the way. And there, I think there's something really cool about that. Uh, what's also really cool about Taskmaster is vibranium black panther claws and also doing like kind of that backward flip like kick from black panther at one point in that fight with red guardian in this trailer so what's interesting about this is 
we see Taskmaster also, you know, watching the game tape of, uh, as one of our pals, Jim Scroggs, put it on the Discord today, uh, watching the game film of Natasha in, from Iron Man 2. I mean, they're using like overhead shots to mimic security cam footage of Natasha just whooping ass at Justin Hammer's place in, uh, in Iron Man 2. We see Taskmaster studying that. But clearly, Taskmaster hasn't just been studying Natasha. Taskmaster has been studying others, clearly Black Panther, as we see in this. And I think that's really cool. I mean, I know that's kind of the, the character's thing in the comic books is being able to mimic, uh, mimic people. But also the, the way that they're going about it here in the MCU, I think, does have its own kind of unique flair to it. Because usually when I, not that I've read a ton of Taskmaster in the comic books, but I've seen Taskmaster in comics, in animation. And a lot of times what you see is Taskmaster mimicking the person that they're fighting, not necessarily some other hero that they would have observed. Because we don't know that Taskmaster at this point has had any contact with Black Panther, but who's to say Taskmaster hasn't had any contact with Black Panther? I mean, I think that's where it creates a lot of fascinating questions to keep building on this character. And it may just be more simple than that. The character's watching tape of all different kinds of heroes and fighters throughout the MCU, studying them and just picking the moves that Taskmaster feels Mm -hmm. are going to work best. That's the most likely thing, but there could be, it could go deeper than that. It also looks like on Taskmaster's face mask, there's a little spot there where it actually looks like it could be a camera. And so maybe that's part of studying the game tape is after a fight, figuring out, uh, going back and looking at all of, from a first person Mm -hmm. perspective, what all of their moves were to figure out how to best counter them in the the next uh, battle or conflict or whatever it is. So there's all of that, but I'm trying to remember... I can't think of an example of this, but maybe you can. Hmm. I'm familiar with Taskmaster mimicking moves and styles. That's par yeah. for the course. I don't really recall Taskmaster incorporating so much of other people's equipment into it. I mean, Taskmaster has the shield, the sword. I don't like remember, for example, Taskmaster busting out with Black Panther claws, for example, as we see in this trailer. I'm not so much. I'm not so mm-hmm. sure about that happening in the comic books, but if that's whether that's a cool thing that happened randomly in some comic book story or a regular thing, or it's new to the MCU, I love it because I think it's a great touch. <laughs> yeah, so as far as the weapons go, it's it very much comes down to, I think, what he's kind of just comfortable with and, and what he's mimicked the most, I think. And I think that he, uh, he was... From, and again, he it's been retcon, and I, I, did some, I did some research on this a while ago because for a while, people called him a mutant. And that was his thing. But then I think we talked about this on the show, but they, they kind of said, no, it's not. I, I want to say he was part of like, like a super soldier kind of a thing. Like if I'm not, um, it, I, I went down the road. I think, I think it was on even maybe the, 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 um, uh, the discord or some, somewhere I went down there and I, on Twitter or something. And I was, I think it was Twitter. Actually, I think I was arguing with someone there. Like, He's not a mutant. I was like, Oh, that's not true actually. And so I went on and there's, it's actually a very it was, years ago, people were debating if he was a mutant or not. And it was actually a very highly debated thing amongst the uh, Marvel people, because there were multiple uh, writers who had assumed that he, or taskmaster assumed he was a mutant or something like that. Cause he, of his power. So it's out there. I, I went on a, a superhero um, news or uh, superhero hype, excuse me, uh, message board from like 2008, and these people were debating it. And I was like, Yeah, so it's not just me. It was, yeah, people were debating this. So, anyway, as far as his weapons go, yes, I think if he is mutant power and be on the mimic things, he mimicked Captain America, and so he had that shield as kind of because he was going up against the Avengers, so he was kind of in the bone arrow, I, I believe he had as well, or at some points he did. 
it makes sense. But yeah, he would mimic Captain America, and, and because of, of his ca- of Avengers tie-in, it was natural for him to have a shield to combat that against sure. him. So, so yeah. yeah so I, I the remember weapons... that part, but like this is more. Maybe this is starting to look more like an assortment because we've got Cap influence right. shield, but we've also got Black Panther, and I don't really. Taskmaster and Black Panther have probably done battle at some point in the comic books, and maybe he did use claws. But I don't. It, yeah, it, I don't. It usually, think so. is more of that mirror reflection type of thing, though. It's not like right. You know, I just have an assortment of weapons from a bunch of different heroes that I've seen, like that. That's the part mm-hmm. that strikes me as a little bit new, and and maybe that's just because I haven't you know read every single Taskmaster appearance. But well, either way, yeah. I think it's cool because even if it's new and not from the comic books, I think it's hard to argue that it's not true to the spirit of the comic books. Because if you're gonna, absolutely mm-hmm. if you're gonna mimic fighting styles, then you would certainly try to mimic, mimic gear when gear is mm-hmm. incorporated into someone's fighting style and it becomes an essential yeah. part of it. So I thought that was rad. I mean, when I saw those claws come out, and even the way like. Taskmaster crosses the arms too. Like it's just, it yeah. very, very T'Challa. And I was totally there for that. Like I thought that was so much fun. I think what's what's really cool about that, what you, what you're saying, is it's also keeping in line with, with the character, the fact that he's not he makes he mimics the move. And I mm-hmm. wonder if that's part of his power. Like we haven't if you know, we talked a little bit about this before in the show. There's not a lot of super powered beings in the MCU. Like there's a lot of like uh, not gear on base. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not yeah, right on not on earth. But so and we talked about and I think I talked about this too on on the show that maybe Taskmaster could be like the first mutant or something like that. Um and I'm not saying that again, I'm not saying definitively that he's a mutant or he or she or they are, are a mutant. But what I will say is I think that the fact that you said that and the, that they're emulating not just the the gear and the weapons but the 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 way he put the or they they put the their hands out like Black Panther, mm-hmm. and the fact that this could be confirming the fact that the te- this Taskmaster has an actual a superhuman ability to copy people, not just that he studies game film and says, "All right, I studied my my you know game tape and I got Max's <laughs> nose all figured out." No, no, no. It's it, it's it's an actual like he it, it's an actual power that he had. Or excuse me, I keep saying he they have. That would be really cool and and something different for the MCU. So this Taskmaster thing, I'm just I'm gonna stay away from spoilers all the way, man, because this is really really cool. And I I'm hoping that this is to be honest, I'm kind of hoping it is a character that's totally unknown. It is totally ambiguous of who they are, what they are, and that that they have that ability to emulate everybody. So that way. It adds a, another element to: Is this a mutant? Is it an inhuman? Is it what is this character? So that to me is really fascinating and really cool. And I'm hoping that that whether we find out if, who they are or not, I hope it is a superhuman power that they can emulate any fighting move or fighting style and, and learn it by watching them once or whatever. Because definitely from what you know, what Jim Scroggs, our, our homie, our homie said here, and like what you're talking about, it definitely emulate. There's definitely like credence to that becoming true because we're seeing it. So I hope I, for one hope it is confirmation that it's a a superhuman ability. So I just wanted to add that in real fast. Yeah. I mean, I'm indifferent toward that. If taskmaster's got superhuman abilities, great. If taskmaster doesn't have superhuman abilities and it's all from studying and, and obviously years, decades really of training and all of that, I'm fine with that. Like, and and that is also cool to me because that can still make somebody 
a really great antagonist, particularly for somebody like Natasha Romanoff, who also doesn't have any superpowers. So I, I, I don't really have any preference there. But yeah, it would be if we find out there's some other thing going on with Taskmaster, that could be really cool. But overall, just really impressed by this character and think uh, that Taskmaster, whoever this is, really comes across as a worthy antagonist. But getting back into Natasha's story, although inevitably, I think a lot of this stuff will be connected to Taskmaster because it's connected to the Red Room and Taskmaster is, according to Yelena, in charge of the Red Room right now. So there's uh, some different moments in there. Like Yelena kind of gives Natasha the scoop on what's happening with the Red Room. So these women who are training in this, they are they are conscious, but they don't get to make a choice. And we kind of see at one point, Yelena, we don't know if this is present day or flashback or whatever it is, but she's strapped to uh, this gurney and it looks like she's about to get an injection. And so there appears to be some sort of mind control going on with these women in the Red Room, which reflects what she's saying, that they are conscious, they are aware of what they're doing, but there's no choice in what they are doing. And we see these... Uh, these other widows from the Red Room, we see them uh, attacking in what looks like Yelena's apartment. This looks like, you know, after the the fight between Yelena and Natasha, they talk it out, and then these women attack, and then it, it sets up a chase scene. We know that, you know, Natasha and Yelena, they take off on a motorcycle, and I think there's more to it than that. Eventually, there's a car chase that Taskmaster is a part of as well. Don't know if this is all part of one extended chase sequence, or there will be multiple chase sequences in the movie, but it kind of goes into that Bucky Winter Soldier territory, though, when we start talking about people who are compelled to be assassins, like when Bucky says in Civil War, when Tony asked, do you even remember them about killing Tony's parents? And Bucky says, I remember all of them. And of course, that would mean that these women presumably, and I know it's not the same, it's not necessarily the same organization. Maybe we will find out that there are more connections than we would have thought, because uh, that was more Hydra and everything with Bucky, but maybe there was some some of that with the KGB and whoever else is involved in the Red Room. But I do think that really illustrates kind of what's at stake for a character like Natasha and what's at stake potentially for Yelena and this family is, you know, these women not having choice in their lives and in fact being used to kill others, being used to destroy. And I think there's a part of Natasha that you know, certainly is embracing this idea of choice as complicated as it is because she has had to make a lot of difficult choices and over the course of the time that we have seen her through the MCU up until this point and even maybe feeling like at different points in time, not entirely sure she's always made the right choice, but the difference is that she's had a choice and she's had the ability to change her life and do things that she thought was right, even if that's not always been, even if that's not always been easy to figure out. But what also comes with choice is responsibility. And so Natasha having to go back and take responsibility for anything that she has done wrong, mistakes that she's made, and enemies that she's created, that she will have to account for that. She will have to address those things. But at the same time, choice is essential. Free will is essential for for any human being. And so for Natasha to be fighting for that for these other women, while these other women are in the midst of trying to kill her, emotionally... I think that's going to re- that's really going to resonate in the story, and it's going to be a very compelling part of Natasha's arc. And this is something that we have landed on multiple times as we've been talking about this movie, whether it was our teaser trailer breakdown or our expanding the universe episode dedicated to this film. Is you know Natasha really at this critical juncture, and how important this moment, this period of time, is in her life because she is so different. If you look at Natasha between Civil War and Infinity War, it's not that she isn't the same person, 
but clearly she feels to me anyway, like she's in a different stage of her life. And how did she get there? How did the Natasha who was torn with her decision making in Civil War, as she's been at other points in, the, in time that we've seen in the MCU, to be so much more self-assured as she seemed to be in Infinity War and even Endgame, even through the tragedy and, and feeling all the weight of that tragedy, but also being more uh, self-assured in terms of where she was at morally and ethically. How did she get there? This story is where that happens. I think it is that key moment of transition with her is fully coming to terms with and becoming accountable for her past while also moving on. And I think that's kind of where, you know, whatever red in her ledger she might feel like she has, uh, one of the best ways she can wipe that out is to give these women the benefit of choice in a way that maybe she didn't always have, or even if she did have it when she was part of the Red Room, uh, that she didn't always feel like she made the right choices. So accounting for that by giving these women what they so desperately need, I think emotionally, that's where you can start really getting to the heart of the film is plenty of family stuff. Family is always important, not trying to dismiss that. But for Natasha, <laughs> in, for Natasha individually, you get a really good sense of what's at stake. This trailer did a really good job of really setting up, I think, the core of the story better than I think the other trailers. And that's kind of the third trailer's job is really defining the plot even more so and spell, spelling it out without having to read it. Cause I, I haven't even read the, the plot synopsis. You know, I don't, you know, you could, you might've even said it on the show before Sean, I've never don't remember it at all, but the trailer does a great job visually of, of spelling it all out and giving an idea of where Natasha is and where she could be going or where she is going because it's a prequel basically. And I think that is, and, and I think it, it it's done a good job of, of showing us of what we can, we're, we're going to get, because one of the things we, we haven't gotten from black widow is her past. And, and again, having closure on the past, because all the previous films we've had, it's only her kind of hinting at it. And I, I don't know if that was them eventually wanting to go down that road. And just this movie is the only time that, you know, or this, this time frame is the only time where after infinity war and, and, and end game that they're able to actually go down and, and explain all that. What's nice is that we're going to finally get, I think, closure as an audience. When you look at this from a giant perspective of all these films put together, mm -hmm. we're going to see that closure. And I think that's really cool. And, it, and it's also going to be cool because we're going to have a movie like Captain Marvel and First Avenger that you can watch it chronologically or timeline wise. And right now it could you could do both. And I, for one, am hoping that it's one of those things where I can put it towards uh, I can put it anywhere and it's not going to be specifically where the very end, like, like we have an end credit scene where it, it's obviously after infinity war kind of a thing. I hope it's going to be where I can put it right into it. it I can watch it right before, uh, right after infinity war or right before right infinity before war. Infinity war and, yeah. yeah. And watch it. Yeah. And, and get, cause again, we'll get that closure because we're seeing, if you watch all the films that she's in, with the exception of Iron Man 2, we get an idea of where she kind of comes from and it gets fleshed out a little bit more, a little bit mm -hmm. more. But we don't quite see the transformation or we don't quite see what makes her tick necessarily and what why her past is so um, haunting, but also why it makes her keep going that direction and working for Nick Fury and working with Hawkeye and, and doing all those things, even before being an Avenger. I think that to me is what's really fascinating and, and seeing what makes her tick and everything, you know, we, we, it's going to be nice to have that and see and come to a conclusion because they've hinted at it 
in so many different films that we're right. finally going to get it. And that's what I think this movie is going to be great for is getting the payoff for so many seeds that they all been planting for so long. Natasha has such a great, I think, rich and compelling arc throughout her time in the MCU. And I think we really start getting a sense of it in Avengers, not as much in Iron Man 2. I mean, there's a little bit there, but really we see it gets going in Avengers and then it really picks up full speed, I think, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier and how much she changes from that film, from compartmentalizing and not and resisting opportunities to bond with characters like form a friendship like with Steve Rogers in that one but by the end of it she becomes much more comfortable with that idea and then as she becomes more comfortable with the idea of emotional intimacy in the form of friendship then that goes to romance in Avengers Age of Ultron of course that inevitably doesn't work out well I shouldn't say inevitably it could have worked out but you know the circumstances didn't uh, allow it but anyway as the character goes on in Civil War I mean, we see her kind of even revisiting the, one of the ideas from Winter Soldier where she's telling off everybody on Capitol Hill being like, you're not going to arrest us because you need us. There you go. And then she's back to and then in Civil War, she's initially siding with the Sokovia Accords because she wants to keep the family together. You know, she even I think she even says a line to the effect of, you know, staying together is more important than how we stay together. Uh, I think when she's talking to Steve at uh, Peggy's funeral. But I, I think she realizes that that's not right either. Like it's or at least in her mind, staying together is the right thing to do, but we have to make sure we're doing the right thing. And she's struggling with what that is because she was, uh, of course, on the on the wrong side, joined S.H.I.E.L.D., felt like maybe that was getting towards the right side of things morally and ethically. Turns out that was a lot more complicated than she was really allowing herself to, to take in. And then she uh, figures out, well, even as I thought I was doing fine with, with S.H.I.E.L.D., I was also working for Hydra and didn't know it. And that complicates the matter. And then even as she's becoming an Avenger, like she can feel better about these things. But then this team that she's become a part of that she felt like, okay, this is finally the right thing. I'm finally on the right path. Well, that splits apart because the Avengers break up and she even switches sides on which half of the team she's going to join because she can't really, she's trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. And she struggles with that, but she has that desire to do the right thing, but she's not, wrestling with that anymore she's not wrestling with those ideas and those concepts in infinity war and endgame she knows what the right thing is and she's doing it in those movies so i think it's all about coming to terms with that and being more assured that she is taking the right steps and that she can be accountable for and she can address her past but the purpose of this is to be able to move forward i'm not running from my past anymore uh, I don't feel like I need to do that, but I'm going to own it. I'm going to address it, and I'm going to move forward, believing that I am now on the right path, believing that I, believing in myself to be able to judge right from wrong and what's the best thing for me to be doing in order to do the right thing. And so I think this is such a key point for her, and that's part of what I, I think I'm really looking forward to this movie on a lot of different levels. The action looks great. I mean, I know we haven't really talked about that much in this trailer yeah. breakdown, but that's. The best thing about this is that this action looks absolutely stunning, and it's not even the thing that I really latch onto in the trailer because I'm latching onto the emotion of this story and and who these characters are and and what they're what they're after. Mainly Natasha, of course, in this movie, but the action looks incredible. It's so visceral, looks very grounded. I mean, I know, of course, it it blows up big time when you get to the the free fall sequence. And as I said, now the free fall sequence looks like that's the big finale to the movie. I was thinking maybe the big finale was going to be when Natasha's wearing the white costume, 
now I think that's the Russian prison escape. Now I'm feeling like that's part of getting Alexei out of jail. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that too. But that looks now like more like a midway action scene, and then we get and then we we get to the big finale with the free fall sequence, which just looks better and better the more uh, the more that we see of that. There's also a shot because we see the the house that everybody's at where they're having the family dinner, and Alexei does refer to Melina as Natasha's mother, by the way, in that se- uh, in that little scene at the end. But there's another shot earlier in the trailer where it looks like Taskmaster is arriving at that house and uh, Yelena is inside who seems to be hiding, which again points to the idea that maybe Yelena is not Taskmaster, maybe Melina is not either, unless they're switching roles or they're part of it. I don't know. The, the whole Taskmaster thing is, uh, remains a mystery, which is great. I don't want to be spoiled on it ahead of time. I'm happy to find out whenever I, uh, whenever I actually see the movie. But so much good stuff. But before we, uh, I don't want to get out of here without talking about Ross a little bit. Because Ross is, as much as there's a mystery around Taskmaster, I think there's also a mystery around Ross in this film. Now, it's also important to note that not every shot that we see in a trailer is going to make it into a movie. The shot of Ross in the first teaser trailer back in December looks like he was de-aged, which made it look like pre-Iron Man 2, and maybe that's a part of it. But there's a shot of Ross in this trailer where he doesn't really look de-aged, and he is sporting a cane. And what's interesting about that is if this is a moment that's happening between Civil War and Infinity War, and then eventually Endgame, Ross does not have a cane in Avengers Infinity War, nor does he have one at Tony's funeral in Avengers Endgame. And while he's standing still in Endgame, we see him walk, granted it's in holograph form, but he gets up from a conference table and walks over closely, closer to Rhodey. No cane needed, no discernible limp that I could see. So Ross seems to be, and maybe the, the de-aging thing, maybe that was like CG that wasn't fully finished. And maybe Ross is in a bad way in this movie physically. And if he's in a bad way physically in this movie, and, and maybe the cane is temporary because there's a, a short-term injury during the events of this film, maybe that's what it is. But if I'm going to go ahead and speculate wildly here for a second, what if Ross is juicing and, you know, that he has something going wrong with him, like he had his heart attack that he refers to in Civil War, and then he event- and then something else happens mm. and he's physically deteriorating and he starts trying to make himself feel better and actually be able to move better and perhaps try and achieve some sort of immortality or at least extend his life in some way. And maybe that points to other things that happen with a character like Ross in the comic books. He does eventually, spoiler alert, become Red Hulk in the comic books. There's been a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors about that lately. I don't know if that's actually coming from any real sourcing or that's just people speculating based on because that's what happens in the comic books. I don't know where it's coming from. I'm not trying to lend any credibility to any specific rumor that may be out there. Just acknowledging what happens in the comic books and maybe... This is going to be the MCU version of that. I'm not ruling out Ross becoming Red Hulk in the MCU. I don't know that he's definitely going to become Red Hulk. I think eventually there will be a Red Hulk in the MCU, whether that's part of Thunderbolts or something else later on down the line. I think we're eventually going to get a Red Hulk. But if Ross is going to be Red Hulk, we might be seeing some of the very early seeds of that being planted in this film because it is a little bit off. He just doesn't quite look like himself in these trailers. And I, I don't know what the reason for that is other than we see uh, the, the cane is maybe the biggest visual cue, though, because he's rocking a cane in this uh, yeah. teaser in this trailer. But 
in stories set after this, no cane for Ross. You, I'm, I'm actually kind of really into that idea, to be honest. The fact that we see him at one point that he's he's struggling, then all of a sudden he's walking like normal. So there's something really interesting about that. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. And oh, no, like I I went back because I even went back and watched his scenes in Infinity War and Endgame today to be like, wait, I'm not. I'm not misremembering that, am I? Like, he's fine in those movies, but he's not fine here. No, no, exactly. And so I'm totally into that idea of you almost, they're giving the audience a visual cue of, hey, weren't you just uh, walking with a cane and all of a sudden you're not? And then maybe even having Black Widow herself say, hey, why do you look stronger all of a sudden? He's like, oh, I've got, you know, he he kind of shrugs it off and then he's move on. But then the end credit scene is him like juicing or taking, you know, gamma radiation and then talking about, you know, doing the Thunderbolts or whatever. So there's there's a lot. I, I think to me, it's very evident that General Thunderbolt Ross is going to have a way more prominent role in this next phase of films or it, upcoming. And, and or he could be the new Nick Fury, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially with, you know, performance capture, it's not like William Hurt has to go bulk up. I mean, he doesn't even have to do all the performance capture. Like he can just do the facial stuff and somebody else could do the body. I mean, if that's something that they want to do in order to achieve that character at some point but yeah i couldn't help but look at uh, you know ross just there's something about that character that just isn't totally adding up right now and it's just continues to uh to fascinate and intrigue me but again we don't know and, and some of this stuff could be intentionally misleading yeah so that's where we're just left having to you know pick up whatever crumbs they give us and be totally wrong about most of the stuff but if we could just be right about one or two things then i'll i'll take that uh but yeah. anyway is there anything else on this trailer that stood out to you uh that we haven't addressed yet for me i think we've, we've nailed it down i think there's just right now it's that's to me the most interesting aspects of the movie besides the action looks great sure but to me we broke down all the main the main stuff the juicy stuff if you will yeah, I think so. And I really think, you know, getting it, we've talked about some of the things where this could emotionally resonate, some of the themes for Natasha as far as, you know, forgiving herself and being able to move forward, different ideas with with respect to redemption and, and finding the right path forward. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on here. Oh, one more thing, uh, one line of dialogue that did have me leading towards uh, the family betrayal. Uh, of course, Alexi's saying, we're family, we fight with you. And this seems to be happening after the free fall action sequence. That's really what it looks like in this trailer. But if this is the end of the movie and they're ending on good terms here, why is the family not referenced in Infinity War and Endgame? And maybe we'll find out why. Maybe we'll find out that they were going to go off the grid and, and that was going to be the end of it. But maybe the betrayal still happens later. I mean, maybe they sold out Natasha to turn him into Ross or something like that. Or maybe Ross just captures him, but if he captured him, why wouldn't Natasha check in to be like, after Infinity War, be like, how are these guys doing? Are they all still here? I mean, I don't know. I feel like there could still be some uh, family betrayal. There's also a moment in the in the trailer where in the, the voiceover, I mean, because it's all a conversation between Natasha and Yelena, it kind of sounds like she's talking to Yelena, but maybe it's not her. But she does say mm. to someone in the voiceover, I should have come back for you. And so that mm. points to if Natasha left and left Yelena in the red room or left Alexi behind or left Melina behind um, and she didn't come back for them, then that could point to somebody's motivation. If 
if it's such a thing that Natasha could feel guilty enough about it to say, I should have come back for you, that person could also feel like, yeah, you should have. And because you didn't, I'm going to take your life apart. That could be happening here with any combination of these characters. And even though visually it looks like we can rule Melina out as a suspect unless there are multiple taskmasters, it is interesting that like right after we hear Rachel Weisz talking for the first time in the voiceover, we see Taskmaster. And, and all of that could just be, again, set up to mislead us and, and all of that. But those are just a few other points in the trailer that I think add to the mystery. But again, Melina, I think that theory only works if there's more than one Taskmaster because it doesn't look like she's Taskmaster in the freefall sequence since it appears she's doing something else. So we'll see. Maybe it's just as simple as it looks on the one sheet. We have this character, Mason, played by O.T. Uh, Fagbenle, who we've not seen in any of this footage from this movie so far. Unless, of course, that person is also Taskmaster. But overall, regardless of what happens in this, and I'm happy that there are enough mysteries that even as we try to speculate that these things just keep going in in circles and, and running from one thing running into the next one, everything that we're seeing here looks good. Everything that we're seeing yeah. here looks like a really well-made film with a really great story that has a tremendous amount of potential to emotionally resonate with us as an audience. And I also just think that the the action on this just feels very next level. It feels very much, it feels very new and fresh to the MCU. Not that the, the action's been bad in the MCU. I think the action's been tremendous. But how do you keep upping the ante? How do you keep amazing us with some incredible spectacle? And the action in this, it's a mix of spectacle like the free fall sequence with a lot of low to the ground, hard hitting action like the fight between Natasha and Yelena, like we get a little bit of the fight, uh, a fight scene of the the Red Room trainees or Red Room widows, whatever they're called, uh, attacking Natasha at one point in this trailer. It all just looks so good. And so it just feels like this movie is going to be so satisfying on so many levels with really stunning action, but with the heart and soul of this movie in the right place to make sure that it's not just the superficial experience of the action, that there is a, a full and complete uh, and completely satisfying cinematic experience. That's what Black Widow looks like to me, having had uh, one last look via this final trailer. Well said. Well said. And that is where we will go ahead and wrap up this episode of Marvel Studios News. Make sure you check out patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, where you can hear even more from this show, including a Patreon credit scene where we're going to be talking about the idea of the Guardians of the Galaxy popping up in Thor, Love and Thunder, and plus that Marvelous Moments episode that I teased earlier. Uh, and also remember that, that uh, Avengers Age of Ultron watch party coming up on Sunday, March 15th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And then keep up with us in all the places that you can, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News. Make sure you're checking in with those daily trivia questions on the at Marvel Studios News Instagram story. And then also follow us on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also on Instagram at Herman22 with two N's. Check out my other Star Wars podcast, uh, The Saga Continues, and Blaster Cannon. You can find those both on podcast uh, places and on Twitter. And also my other comic book podcast, The Comic Binge Podcast, with my good friend Chris Clow. Also on any podcast area and uh, the Twitter as well. So yeah, check that out. Very cool. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.